I have a message I think is really a blessing if you will take it to heart. Uh, and um, let's start in with it, uh, with uh, Genesis chapter 8 here, verse 22. Uh, here we have a principle, and it says here, while the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night shall not cease. So we have a principle here that I want to focus in on. Seed time and harvest shall not cease. It's a principle that is a law, but seed time and harvest especially, it's a law of life, uh, the law of seed time and harvest. Um, so in the natural, uh, there are three ingredients here for seed time. There is a seed, water, and soil. Uh, seed doesn't bring forth a harvest all on its own. It has to be tended to by man to force its potential growth to come forth. Isn't that interesting? Weeds grow without man. Uh, you never heard of a field of wild broccoli. It just doesn't happen. You know, a man has to be part of that. But anything worth growing, man's a part of that in its uh, potential. So God uses these natural analogies uh, to teach us spiritual principles that affect our lives. Uh, you'll see the seed time and harvest all through the Bible. Jesus uses the concepts. All through the Bible, this theme is there because it teaches us spiritual truths. And uh, mankind spiritually is constantly sowing. I don't know if you get that. Uh, we need to get the importance of this. Uh, like when hands throw seed on the ground, our mouth especially is a sowing agent. We're constantly sowing words that we speak. Um, our words are seed that comes from our mouth. Our actions in life are also seed that produce consequences. Uh, we're only living today with a crop that we sowed yesterday, good or bad. It didn't just pop up. We sowed it. And so it come to pass, good or bad. We also sow seed in our children, don't we? By our words or actions. And we're going to get a crop from their lives, won't we? That we've created, good or bad. Uh, we sow seed in our marriages. By our words, by our actions. And we're going to get a crop that we create, good or bad. Uh, I heard a, a, an analogy one time that marriage is like a garden. You have to tend your garden or weeds will grow and choke your garden out of the fruit that it should have. Amen. That's a seed time, harvest time concept. Uh, we sow seeds financially when we give uh, for a future crop that we would like to see, or no crop at all if we don't give in faith. Whoa. Uh, we sowed seeds in terms of our health. So uh, these things will come to pass, seed time and harvest. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7, Paul tells us, do not be deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever a person sows, this he will also reap. So what that means is you can't say, well, that's not going to happen to me, God. It'll happen to somebody else. Well, you're mocking God. Yes, it will happen to you. Amen. I don't know if you knew this. The late Johnny Carson actually believed he was immune to, to, the, to the negative effects of tobacco. He really believed he was immune to it. Until one day he was swimming off his yacht and he almost drowned because he couldn't breathe. And when they took him to the hospital, they said, you have severe emphysema. He went, what? <laughs> yes, you will reap the destructiveness in your life. 
And he was shocked because he absolutely believed he was immune from the negative effects of cigarettes. No, what you sow is what you reap. Uh, so we're told in Scripture, we're not going to turn there. It also tells us not to mix our seed when we plant. In Leviticus 19, Deuteronomy 22, uh, mixing seed is like speaking the Word of God and speaking carnality at the same time. Oh, I'm believing the Lord, I'm healed. You know, this thing's going to be the death of me. What are you doing? Are you in faith or not? And I've met people like this all the time. You, you can't do that. You either sow the Word of God or you don't. You don't mix your seed. Uh, so that's an example of people spiritually mixing seed. Jesus also tells us that we'll know them by their fruit. How about that? Uh, notice he doesn't say we'll know them by their seed. He doesn't say we'll know them by their soil. He says, but the identifier is the product of the seed and the soil, the fruit. And that would mean, of course, for all of us, we're all fruit inspectors, aren't we? Right? You could carry around a card. You wouldn't be lying. I am a fruit inspector. You are all fruit inspectors. We're supposed to be inspecting fruit. Not the seed, but the fruit. Now, Jesus uh, uses this principle a lot in Mark chapter 4 here in verse 8. He says that other seed fell into the good soil, and they grew and increased, and they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100 times as much. Jesus is showing us here that the fruit is the goal, the, pro the purpose is the crop. We want to see an abundant crop. Um, yet in the other gospel where, where Jesus speaks on this, in Mark, uh, Matthew, I'm sorry, chapter 13, verse 19, he says, when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what has been sown in his heart. This is the one sown with seed besides the roadside. So his point here, <coughs> excuse me, is that the heart is the soil in which uh, the seed of, of the Word of God is planted. It's very important that we grasp a seriousness of that, an understanding of that, or the enemy comes quick to steal the Word sown. Uh, how many people, don't raise your hand, uh, you couldn't tell me what the pastor spoke on last week? Why? Because the enemy came quick to steal the word sown. How about that? And he will try to do the same thing tonight. That's why people take notes that you force yourself or listen to it again and again that it would not be stolen from you. Uh, so that's a very important thing. Anyway, Jesus has this parable in all three Gospels. The parable of the seer, a seed, and the sower. It's in Mark 4, Matthew 13, Luke chapter 8. We are not going to go into a detailed study on that. It would take us a few hours. But we're going to look at some foundational principles that he does give us. In this parable, Jesus likens the uh, spiritual heart of a man to be spiritual soil. And what gets planted into it will produce a growth. He goes on to teach us that there are three different types of heart soil. Okay, we're not going to go in detail on that. Uh, but we also tells us that there's good seed and there's bad seed. Uh, bad seed is, for example, planting resentment in your heart. That's only going to produce a crop of bitterness, and bitterness can destroy your life. Good seed are the promises that we have in the Word of God, and that produces a spiritual fruit that is beneficial both for the sower and everyone else who would pick the fruit. Yes, you walk around and people pick fruit from you. 
Don't stop them. That's normal. You get to feed others. Uh, so we also see here in Luke chapter 8, verse 11, he says, now this is the parable. The seed is the Word of God. So, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 29 adds more. Peter says, for you have been born again, not of seed, which is perishable, but imperishable. That is through the living and enduring Word of God. So we see here that the Word of God is seed. And when this imperishable seed of the Word of God is implanted in us, we hope we're good soil, that we want to hear it, it grows and it produces. When the Word of God is planted in born-again believers' hearts, it grows. Uh, I'm sowing right now into your hearts. Didn't even hurt, did it? I'm sowing right now into your hearts. So this shows us how important it is for us to be in the Word of God. Because one way to look at your Bible is, it's a book of seeds. This is a, this is a seed catalog for those who actually look at seed catalogs today. This is a seed catalog and has all types of seeds. Seeds for health, seeds for relationships, seeds for finances, seeds for growing in Christ, uh, producing the fruit of a believer. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so <clears throat> we need to ask ourselves always, what word seed are we planting in ourselves? When you're in the Word of God, do you think about that? When you're reading it, I'm planting seed in myself now. What kind of seed are you planting? What do you want to grow? In your, in your Christian walk. You've got to go to the Word catalog here to plant it in you. Uh, for example, you know, if you go to a hardware store and buy a pack of seeds, I don't know, one seed doesn't look too much different from another to me, right? Uh, so of course they do, but you know, they really, really can't tell by looking at the seed, unless you're really good at seeds. But if you look at the package of the seed, there's a picture. The package of the seed is the life that's in the seed. You're looking at a picture of it, of what it will become. So when we plant the Word of God in us, we need to have a picture in us of what will take place, even though by today I might not see it when I'm in the Word, it will, it will come to pass. Uh, a couple things here in the natural, if we consider. Every seed in it, in the natural, has the full potential of growth. Every seed, assuming it's not damaged. Every seed. That's why Jesus talks about a 100-fold return. What can happen? Seeds in the natural, I don't know if you realize this, have all that they need inside of it to bring forth the life that's dormant in the seed. It has stored up in that little seed all the nutrients it needs and the food that it needs to enrich itself to produce a crop. In fact, I should have brought an example with me, but when you actually look at a seed, two-thirds of what you're looking at is actually food for the seed. That's amazing. Only one-third of the seed is the actual inert ability to grow. The rest of it's food for the seed. What an amazing thought. I mean, God puts these things in the natural for us to learn in the Spirit. So, so does the Word seed. Uh, the Word seed has in it the ability to produce. It has its own nutrients in it, its own spiritual ability that our minds can't comprehend. Peter calls it an imperishable seed. So the Word of God plant, planted in our hearts has its dormant life in it. As Peter tells us, it can't die. What God plants doesn't die. Isn't that good to know? That's really good to know. It has all that's in it necessary that Father God intended it for 
to produce in us the life Father God wants it to have. And we know that from Isaiah chapter 55, verse 11, one of my favorite scriptures regarding what the Word of God says about the Word of God. So will my word which goes forth from my mouth, it will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the purpose for which I send it. So when we put the Word of God in us, Father God intends for it to grow in us. He doesn't, well, I don't know, maybe this one's not going to work in this guy. He intends for it to grow. We need to realize he's all behind this. I don't have to talk him into this. I just have to agree with him. Your word in me produces. That's a good thing to pray before you read your Bible. Father God, your word in me produces. I put it in me today. That's a very scriptural way to believe when you read. So in Mark 4, there's a lot that could be said about bad soil. In verses 8 and 20, uh, there's also very little said about good soil because there's very little that has to be said about quality soil. It speaks for itself. So because you know Christ is your Savior, if you're born again, you already have the good soil for the Word of God to grow. It's there ready to have it. Jesus makes it happen in us. So I don't want to spend a lot of time tonight on seed and soil. Uh, there's not enough time. But what's burning in my heart tonight to share, I said all that to say this, what's burning in my heart tonight to share is that many believers do sow the good seed of the Word of God into them, into their soil. But so many people, very little crop comes up. It's barely a 30-fold, not a 100-fold. That ought not be. I think some of them are just sowing mixed seed, which is a problem. You're shooting your own seed in the foot. Uh, but believers are sowing the promises of God's Word, right? It tells us in 1 Corinthians, it's, His promises are yes to us. Uh, and we're believing God for these promises to come to pass. Finances, health, relationships, our own growth in Christ. What we believe is God's call on our lives, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yet we realize from Hebrews in chapter 6, it tells us through faith and patience, we inherit the promises. Very important. As you know, seed takes time to watch it pop up, and it pops up slowly, right? It does take time. Time's involved. Uh, and um, in Luke chapter 8, we see that uh, we need to persevere and the need to produce a crop. So time is essential. We need to be a persevering people. So why is there so little return in people's lives? And that's what I want to really talk about tonight. Water is the issue. Tonight I want to speak on watering your seed. That's really what this is about tonight. <coughs> Excuse me. Watering your seed. We don't give the word seed in us enough water. That's usually the, the answer in a nutshell or in a seed shell why uh, we don't see enough fruit of the Word of God in our lives. We don't water it enough. I want to impress upon you tonight the importance of watering your seed. Uh, we can have the best seed, and we do. We can have the best seed, the best soil, but if we don't water it, very little can be produced. It's a very rare seed, and there are some that don't need a lot of water, but generally they need very uh, much water. I know heat is a part of it. We know that from the sun, but they need a lot of water. Water brings life to the seed. 
If you ever did those little experiments in grammar school by taking a, a seed and putting it in a wet towel and it starts to grow inside the towel all by itself, you are experiencing that phenomenon. The water brings forth the life in the seed. Um, but uh, water brings life to the seed. Water releases all that stored up energy the seed already has in it. We know that in the natural. But it's amazing, though, as Father God has put all these things in the natural to us to, to uh, the purpose of illustrating these spiritual truths. So if water is so important, how do I water my seed? Well, there's a couple things. First of all, we see in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 6, here we have Paul talking about the gospel going forth, and one of his associates, Apollos, were with him. And he says, I planted. But look at this. Apollos watered, but God causing the growth. Now, how did Apollos water the word seed that Paul preached and planted in people's hearts? By the preaching of the Word of God, probably preaching and teaching. How about that? So right now, whenever you're sitting under the Word of God here, being spoken, whatever you do already have in you is already being watered by just me speaking. It's not me, it's the Word of God going forth being spoken into you. And your soul grasps it for understanding, and you're watering the Word seed that's in you by the Word of God, just under the sitting and preaching and teaching of the Word of God. Another good reason why we should not forsaken our assembling together as believers. I need this. You need this. We all need this, to have the Word of God spoken to us so it's already in us would start to germinate and grow. It's amazing. So then the Word of God is both seed and water. How about that? Isn't that odd? It's both. It's both are analogies of the same thing. Pretty wild. The water of the Word waters the Word seed. That's an amazing thing. Just so you know that I'm not making it up, uh, Jesus does this for His church. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 26, it says, so that he might sanctify her by cleansing her, ah, by the washing of the water with the Word. Jesus is telling us uh, th uh, through uh, the Apostle Paul here that uh, the Word itself is water. And the concept here, if you're not grasping what Paul's talking about, uh, is the concept from the Old Testament. You have the tabernacle in the wilderness, right? One of the articles in the tabernacle, after the priests were done the sacrifice, they put themselves in this big tub. It looked like a bird bath, and they washed themselves. That was called the laver. And uh, before they could enter the presence of the Lord, they had to be washed of the sacrifice. Well, here Jesus, our sacrifice, also now washes us with the Word of God. And uh, we wash our minds when we read the Word of God, hopefully daily, to cleanse our minds from the pollutants that we experience from day to day in the world age we live in so that we can enter into His presence. And the washing of the Word of our minds enables us, prepares us to enter the presence of the Lord. Pretty cool stuff. Now in the tabernacle, one thing interesting here about the labor, they had different measurements. Oh, you make it this way, you make it that way. This is how you make the, uh, the altar. This is how you make... But when it comes to the labor, they give no measurements, none. We have no idea physically how big this thing was. Obviously, somebody had to go inside of it. So that would be a massive tub, but there's no directions on how to build it. It, it, it. Because it has no limitations on how to build it, the picture here is that the Word of God has no limits in its power and ability to cleanse us. 
That's an amazing thing. So, how do I water my word seed? Well, by speaking the word of God out of my mouth for what I'm believing. That'll certainly do it. That's why it's so important that you speak the word out of your mouth that waters the seed already for what you're believing for. Right? If you're believing for healing, uh, you speak from Peter. By his stripes, I am healed. This isn't magic. By uttering those words, you're watering the Word of God already in you from your own mouth, putting a declaration in the spirit realm that has no basis based on what you feel. You could feel the complete opposite, but you say it anyway because I'm holding on to something that's a spiritual and content, not in the natural. I'm watering the seed already in me. And there's more you can do too. Uh, certainly you can listen now to sermons and teachings on healing. Read books on healing. Why? That waters you and bathes you in the, in the Word of healing. Your word, you're bathing yourself in the, in the Word of God. Uh, my, my experience with people is they don't take this that serious. And that's why they see so little fruit. We need to immerse ourselves in the word of healing. It's the word of healing uh, that we're, uh, we're, we're, we're watering, that word seed of healing that we're believing for. We're saturating ourselves with the word of God, believing that healing seed to grow in us. Uh, did you know also, as we're talking about that, um, in the natural, when seeds grow, do you know it has both upward and downward growth simultaneously? It grows to produce fruit upwardly, but it grows downwardly for roots. Why? To seek out more water. Then the transportation of the water, of course, is brought throughout the entire plant. So what we learn from this is, and it's a whole separate sermon, we need deeper roots. If you, I'll just give you a, a thumbnail sketch here. If people are saying, you know, I don't know. Lately, my Christian walk uh, in the Word of God, things seem stale. Oh, easy answer. You need deeper roots. Wherever you're at, you still need to go deeper now. That ground is now saturated in your life. You've got to go deeper to find more water. Amen. Yeah, it's going to cost you more, this side of heaven, in what we love in this world that we have to let go of. That's obstacles. We need to go deeper. Anytime you're in a, what they call a dry period, you need to go deeper. That's the purpose. You need to go deeper to get deeper water. It's not going to just come to you. You've got to do something to get it. Well, but I'm reading the Word. Do it more. But I'm praying. Do it more. But I'm in the presence of the Lord. Do it more. I don't know your life. I don't know where you're at in your life. But for you, at that moment in your life, you need to go deeper. All of us will experience that where somehow, I don't know, I'm not a, this person walking in sin, but I'm not satisfied. Or I feel like I'm dry. You need to go deeper. Those are all clear signs of you need deeper roots. And that's all of us. None of us have arrived. And of course, there are some plants that need real deep roots. Others don't. But for us, we're always going to be growing in Christ. That always refers to going deeper, going deeper for deeper roots. We need more water. The problem we have too often in the body of Christ is there are too many people out there with shallow roots. And that's why they don't get abundant fruit in their lives. Maybe they're just too lazy to go deeper. And that's a lot of people, folks. That's a lot. They want the promises of God's Word in their lives, and they think magically it's just going to grow. But no, it doesn't, because they're lazy with the Word of God. The Word of God will feed and water the Word in us. 
and we need to seek deeper water at the same time. Hebrews 6 tells us that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Not the casual seeker, but the diligent one. Those lazy with the Word of God are not the ones going to bear the fruit that they want. They want the fruit, but they're not going to bear it. So that's a, that's a whole separate topic and a very serious one, but it's very normal for people to find dry periods in their life. That's not a negative thing, or I'm just not satisfied. That's a sign of you need deeper roots. Whatever you have didn't go deep enough, go deeper. And that's a very personal thing because how one person may go deeper is totally different than somebody else. Some of them need to give up things in lives that are distractions. Some of them need to take more serious a discipline of the Word of God. It's very personal. There's no formula here, but you got to go deeper. You got to go deeper in the Lord. And when we look at Jesus' ministry and all that He accomplished, this is a guy that had deep roots. It wasn't just because He's all God, all man. It's because He chose to go deeper. I mean, if you're reading the Word of God, how He gets His disciples, He prays all night long. That's kind of deep, you know? I mean, the sleep is nice. That's kind of deep. Uh, wow. He goes deeper. He goes deeper. Many times he's off alone seeking the Lord. Hey, where, where was Jesus? Where was he? He was out going deeper. So it's a, it's a personal issue for all of us. But in the natural here, water is lost also due to heat. So it needs to be constantly replenished. Um, and in the Spirit, you may have noticed there's a lot of pressure in life against you to give up the Word of God that's sowing in you. There's a lot of heat out there ready to steal your hope. Yeah, we're good for believing two or three days, but give it four or five months, that's a little hard. How about that? There's heat out there because the, the enemy does not want the Word of God to prosper in you, but he can't stop it. All he could do is put pressure on you to give it up and me. And when the heat comes on, especially when there's awful circumstances of life coming against you, uh, either physically or from other people, uh, the heat's on. Go deeper. It's a sign you need to go deeper because he's after the water. He doesn't want the Word of God to grow in us. So, in reviewing here a little bit, I said that the water of the Word waters the Word seed. That's the really first principle here. There's a second one, though, and that is a second watering, and that is the water hose of the Holy Spirit. So it's twofold. Our water comes from the Word of God watering itself in us, and it comes from the Holy Spirit's hose watering us, right? All of us, I'm sure, have the garden experience with the hose, and we're watering. Holy Spirit does the same thing. It's the Holy Spirit water hose. And that's what I want to spend the rest of the time on. Not very long here. We could spend a lot, but it's an easy principle to pick up. And it's amazing how this is in the Word of God. You could have easily read it and go, I never saw it like that before. This is the Holy Spirit water hose. John chapter 4. We're not going to read the whole thing. It's a very long reading. We have the meeting of, the, uh, of Jesus with the woman at the well. I'm sure all of us had read John 4 or have seen it uh, in the Jesus movie that they have now, What the Chosen, that's on um, the airwaves. We have that as seen in there where he does that. Yep. 
Okay, this is not a coincidence that this happened. Uh, Jesus is going to deliver here a spiritual truth to her. And actually, there's several things being done here. But I want to concentrate just on one. In verse 10, he says to the woman at the well, Jesus replied to her, If you knew the gift of God who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you ah, living water. Living water. A lot can be said about that. It means a water that's moving. It doesn't mean a water full of microbes. It means a water that's moving, not in a stagnant well. Where is she doing? She's putting the bucket down in the well. That's stagnant water. And she's pulling the water out. Now, this is a water that produces life to all who touches it that Jesus is offering. A living water. I'll tell you a natural fact from science. I remember this from freshman year earth science class. Did you know there's a difference between an old river and a young river? No, I didn't know that. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with how old they are. An old river means it's stagnant. It has no outlet. It can't go anywhere. A young river is a river that's moving constantly and the waters travel. They call that a young river. How about that? Here at the well here, she has an old river. But Jesus is offering a moving water, a living water that can go right through her, a, a, a young river. The problem we also have is too many Christians have stagnant water. They're, it's producing no life in them. They only uh, have what they had yesterday watered into them. And they just let it sit there and stagnate. And they'll draw it up every now and then when they need a word of God. Uh, but they're doing nothing to let it move. Uh, we have to have a flowing, living water produced in us that waters the word seed. We need this. Here in verses 13 and 14, Jesus says to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him shall never be thirsty. But the water that I will give him will become in him a fountain. Now that, that's the moving water, the young river, the less moving. A fountain of water springing up to eternal life. Isn't that amazing? Holy Spirit water carries us into eternity. Right? Don't we have that picture at the end of the book of Revelation about the river coming from the throne? Wow! The living water is still there. Jesus, the living water, constantly bringing life. So all through the Bible, you know, this is a fascinating topic. All through the Bible, covenant men have sought water. Isn't that amazing? In the book of Genesis, you have Isaac. He, has, he, he finds a well of living water. How about that? In Genesis chapter 26, verse 19. In the book of Jeremiah, in chapters 2 and 7, God says through Jeremiah, they have forsaken the Lord, the spring of living water. Wow. In Proverbs, a wellspring of water shall rise up from you. Wow. There it is again. And now here we come to Jesus, because it's all prophetic about who Jesus would be to us. Here we come to Jesus, the giver of this water that the Word of God had spoken of for centuries. And the water that produces life for the Word of God that we have in us, and then promotes that life and continues to give us life. Jesus doesn't stop there in John 4. If we fast forward and go to John chapter 7, 
Uh, this is a very long reading. Uh, I'm not going to do it. I'll just highlight some things here. Maybe the background will help you better. Uh, in John chapter 7 here, uh, they're leaving Galilee. And in verse 2 it says, Now the Jews' feast of the tabernacle was at hand. Okay, feast of the tabernacle. The background here is, um, uh, in Jesus' day, the rabbis and the Pharisees had added much gaudy and elaborate ceremony, which is not in the Bible, to the biblical Feast of Tabernacles. There, they were impressed with themselves, they were impressed with their pomp, and added things that the Word of God didn't tell them to do. One thing that they did was, at this occasion, they would have this massive procession, and they would draw water with a golden picture out of the pool of Siloam that was fed by a stream that the people knew as living waters. How about that? And they would pour it over the sacrifice. And after they did that, they would have this long singing session. I'm telling you the truth here. They would sing from Psalms 113 all the way to 128. That's a lot of singing. They had this real long singing uh, time. And then when the singing was done, they had this moment of silence. Well, once Jesus had entered into this event, verse 37, on the last day, the great day of the feast, what I just said, everything I explained, Jesus stood and cried out. The scholars believe it was at that moment, that moment of silence where, shh, don't talk. Out of reverence for God, don't talk. Actually, it was out of reverence for their own religious ceremonies. Out of reverence for God, don't talk. It was at that moment, scholars believe, that he thundered out. It didn't say he spoke gently. He cried out. He yelled and screamed out. Verse 37. Now on the last day, the day of the great feast, Jesus stood up and cried out saying, Is anyone, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me as the Scripture said, from his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. Wow. The Riggs translation says, as a spring of living waters sent out of its life-giving stream. Wow. Jesus here points to himself, not the meaningless man-made rituals that they were doing. And of course, we have wild results that takes place. He creates a controversy. There's a lot here that's not said. You know people are going, who does this guy think he is talking like this at a time like this? Who do you think you are? Right? Verse 40, therefore many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, truly, this is a prophet. Others said, this is the Christ. Others said, Will the Christ come out of Galilee? Because this is in Galilee, this took place. Has not the Scripture said what the, that the Christ will come from the seed of David, from the town of Bethlehem where David was? So was there was a division among the people because of him. Now some of them wanted to take him, but no one laid hands on him. So he creates quite a controversy here in the crowd. Obviously, these religious officials are upset. Their eyes are off of them, and they're now on Jesus. They were never on God to begin with. And uh, he creates a great controversy. 
The point here that we're sharing tonight is, here Jesus does this again in John 7, what he did in John 4. And the point is, we don't have to find a water source to water the word seed. The water source is already within us, the Lord Jesus Christ, that is constantly producing living water in us. But it's done in the Holy Spirit. As Jesus tells us in John, he sends another comforter. Uh, one of the same type that will bring comfort to us, stand alongside of us to build us up. Out of this living water, this living water out of our innermost being. What is this? Acts chapter 4, verse 2. The apostles here, they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. And they began to speak with different tongues as the Spirit was giving them the ability to speak out. So what we have here, uh, we water the word seed ourselves also with that heavenly language of another language of speaking into other tongues. Isn't that amazing? We want the water of the word of God to water the word seed. And we want those spiritual tongues of prayer. And as we see with the woman at the well again here in John 4, in verses 23 and 24, they come together. Where Jesus says to her in verse 23, But a time is coming, and even now has arrived, when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For such people the Father seeks to be his worshipers. For God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. We have the word seed, the word of God, the truth, and we have the Holy Spirit in us, the Spirit of God, and we become a worship unto the Lord as the word seed grows in us, as it produces a crop, as Father God always wanted it to be. This is normal Christian living for us. Not stagnant water, not shallow roots, but believers that are vibrant, producing fruit in the kingdom of God. And if nobody else sees it, it really doesn't matter. Father God sees it. And you see people who rise up greatly used of the Lord. There's already been years of preparation that no one has ever seen of the word seed in them that's growing and flourishing. And there's so much darn fruit falling off them. It's falling all over the place. You can't help but notice that. It's amazing. So we have here the word of God with the spiritual tongues of prayer in spirit and truth. So we want to water the word seat with these two energizers. The promises of God's word then comes to pass in our lives through faith and patience. But we want that hundredfold return. So what we're closing here tonight to, to, to impress upon you, I hope you love to sow the word of God in you. I hope you desire nothing less than a 100-fold return. But I'm here to tell you tonight, you must water the seed. You must water the word seed. Yes, for others, you must go deeper and get deeper roots. Make sure you're never a stagnant water, but a flowing water the way it should be. If it's just me, myself, and I, and you don't touch other people's lives, you are a stagnant pool. It's when we give our lives away to other people. And so many people here, grace and peace, serve the Lord so well. They're giving their lives away. You're being living water. You're being a young river that's moving constantly because you're touching other people with the Word of God in you and the Spirit of God is moving through you. That's normal Christian living. That's why our service in the body of Christ is very important, that we're not an island unto ourselves, that we serve what God has freely given us, we give back out. That's the normal way we live. So for the normal Christian, I hope you take this serious because very few people I know will. 
I encourage you to be normal, not average. I encourage you to have fold return in your life. Can you say amen? Let me pray for you. Because I also want to offer prayer for folks that have not yet been baptized in the Holy Spirit with that evidence of speaking in tongues coming out. We have our prayer ministers who are here uh, to do that. Just come, come right up to the altar, those who are here to minister that. I know we don't have a large crowd physically here tonight, but we would sure like to do that. If anyone is watching online and they would like that prayer, you can, of course, come to church, and we would be happy to have people at the altar pray for you. But let me pray for you first as they're coming up. Father God, I thank you, Lord God, that word seed is going out tonight into the souls, the hearts of these people. And it's good seed, and it won't come back void. It will accomplish what you intended it to do for, the produce of fruit, Lord God, in our lives that will bless others, that they could pick fruit from us. That, Lord God, tonight, Holy Spirit would water the word of God also in us that it would overflow, Lord God, that we would take seriously to pray over those things that we're believing for, to saturate it with your word, to saturate it with the, with, with the, with the tongues of prayer, Father God, calling forth those things that we do not see, believing them as if they already are, that, Lord God, faith would rise up in us deeply, Lord God, that we would believe for the impossible, the Lord God, that we would be all that you want us to be, Father God. May your word prosper, Lord God, in and through us as we speak it from our mouths, Lord God, as we live it out in our lives. Father God, do something great in the people here and listening to this message. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to, for your ministry tonight in Jesus' name. Can you agree and say amen?